It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. people so it's exciting you know when you get to the rink you show up you play hockey you work hard you you play for the guy next to you and uh, everyone that's here is, is proud to be a San Jose Shark and we want to win for this organization so when you hit the ice you, you're going to give it your all and, and do what you can for this team and this organization all right good morning everyone and welcome to morning tide of course this is not a morning after a game which is when Morning Tide will normally be dropping, but it is the morning of day number one of a brand new season. And of course, first and foremost, we have to look to the fact that fans are going to be back in the building tonight. I cannot say enough how weird it was last year to be at Sharks games and have no one in the building. And I know in the last couple of games, there were people there, but the fact was when you were in there, It was odd. You heard things on the ice you never heard before, at least I never heard before, not at an NHL game. And I don't mean like language or anything. I just mean like little details, little stick taps, little noises that were made. I mean, it was like everything was amplified and then would bounce around the arena because usually you've got close to 18,000 people in there screaming their heads off. So it was just spooky. That's the way I try and relate it to people. It felt like hockey in a post-apocalyptic wasteland where there were only teams battling for the future of the earth, not, you know, for Lord Stanley's Cup as we normally play it in our current timeline. So I'm looking forward to seeing everybody out there tonight. And I don't, that's not me just blowing smoke. That is me really, really looking forward to this return. And I got to experience this at other sporting events up to this point of this year, and we're trending in the right directions. And, you know, everybody there that's, you know, over the age of 12 tonight, they're going to be vaccinated. You're going to be wearing your masks, except for when you're eating and you're drinking. So I encourage you of all those, you know, just follow the rules, make it easy on yourself, make it easy on everyone else. There are going to be people in the building tonight who might not have gone to anything else before this point. And it might have been more apprehensive for whatever reason. Maybe they have, you know, their own concerns. Maybe they have family members who have concerns. So let's just all try and make this as pleasant an experience as possible. You know, just these are the rules. Let's abide by them and let's enjoy some hockey. So it's going to be great to see everybody out there. 
And it's going to be great just to hear the volume that you all produce because even at the preseason games, and I was at every home preseason game, just hearing the the fans in a limited capacity because they, they weren't sellouts, they, they never are, that was awesome. And just to hear that roar back in the building, even though, like I said, you know, not exactly a sold-out SAP center. So to see it like that again was awesome, and I'm really, really looking forward to that. But even more so, I am ready to watch this Sharks team again. I mean, let's not try and beat around the bush. Last year, in addition to being disappointing, it was only 56 games. And I know that some of you might be of the opinion of, I don't know, Ted, I may have seen enough. You know, I did not. And I am of the mindset that most year we see a lot more than 82 games from the Sharks. They go and they play in the playoffs and they give us more and more to look at and dissect and take away. I always want to see more Sharks hockey. I'm of that mindset, but I really want to see what this team turns into. And I think that you initially have to look at the usual suspects and you talk about, you know, the core players, guys like Logan Couture, Tomas Hurdle, Timo Meyer, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, Mark Edward Blasick, Kevin LeBanc, Mario Ferraro. And of course, you look at Benino and Cogliano as well as William Eklund, Jonathan Dolan. I mean, you go down the list with all these names, there's a lot to pay attention to. But again, however you wanted to find the Sharks' core, there's talent here to work with. And it's something that I've used as a refrain when talking about the Sharks and their recent downturn. I have a hard time believing that any coach in the NHL would say, you're telling me you have Logan Couture, Tomas Hurdle, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns all together on the same team. Nobody's going to view that as a negative. Now, granted, the supporting cast around them has not been good enough. And the hope is this year that the supporting cast around them will be a little bit better. Last year was weird for a number of reasons, but you had injuries, you had COVID, you had some things happen that kept the Sharks from being at their best. And I think the hope is, and I, I you go with the eye test, right? And from what I've seen from guys in the preseason, Eric Carlson looked like he was in really, really good shape. You know, I, I know it's preseason, so I'm not going to judge his game too much, but watching him, And just looking at him in person, it was like, wow, he looks like he's about in as good a shape as I've ever seen him as a San Jose Shark. And I think that means something. Timo Meyer also looks ready to go. Mark Edward Vlasic looked ready to go. Guys that you need to jump out of the gates and be good from day number one looked ready to go. Tomas Hurdle, he looked great. Logan Couture, he looked great. I mean, these are the guys you need to be great. You need Banker to be good. You need Benino to be good. You need Cogliano to be good but you need your best players to be your best players. And too often last year, that was not the case. I'm not making excuses for them. I know there were extenuating circumstances that led to them not being at their best. I know that Logan Couture was dealing with some injuries that he kept on the mum. And, you know, Tomas Hurdle was coming back from a big knee injury. And then he had COVID before even the halfway point of the season. So these are a lot of things to take into consideration with why guys weren't their best. And it was a when it rains, it pours scenario last year where if it could go wrong for the Sharks, it did go wrong for the Sharks. And one of the reasons I am more encouraged, and listen, I don't want this to be Ted just absolutely railing against Martin Jones or Devin Dubnik or whoever was playing goalie for the Sharks last year. It just wasn't good enough. And I think that that style of it not being good enough or the tendency of it not being being good enough combined with some riverboat gambling from the Sharks defensemen too often set themselves up for a bad situation. You would see the Sharks give up a bad goal or the goalie would give up a soft goal or whatever it was and the shoulders would slump and the you could just tell that they knew that they weren't going to be able to get back into it. And I think that 
in previous years, the Sharks always felt like they could get back into it. And that was one of the big changes that I saw last year and the year before. You would see the shoulders slump a little bit. You read the body language. I know that anything can happen in a game, but all too often the Sharks would go up early in a game and then give up a goal, and you'd be like, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to trend poorly in a hurry. I mean, I think back to that one game in Seattle, they were up four, or excuse me, not Seattle, but in St. Louis, they were up 4-1 and ended up losing 5-4. That just can't happen. If you score four goals on the road in the NHL, you have to win. If you're up 4-1 in the NHL, you have to be able to defend that lead and punish the opposition for any risky plays they might be taking to get themselves back into the game. And the Sharks weren't good enough to do that for a number of reasons. But I think this year, one of the reasons I am so encouraged is I do look at the net mining situation. I have really, really liked what I've seen from Aiden Hill and from James Reimer throughout the preseason. And I know it is the preseason. And I know that Hill specifically is an unproven entity. But I look at the numbers for both these guys, averaging 279 goals against average. That's a step up from what we saw last year. And if those numbers hold true, we imagine the Sharks will be able to rack up a few more wins. Again, I don't want to pile everything on the goalie situation, but I think even if you get close to average net minding, you are going to see a much better result in terms of wins and losses. Now, beyond that, you have to start looking at the power play specifically because last year the Sharks' power play was not good in the slightest. That's got to take a big step forward, and that's what we're looking at with new assistant coach John McClain. That's going to be his responsibility to make that power play click. And listen, let's not lie, a big part about that is going to be the status of Evander Kane. Right now, he is listed as non-rostered, so one of your best offensive weapons, and last year he was the Sharks' best player, is out pending the results of that investigation from the NHL. At least at the time I'm taping this, that could change. But you have to be able to maximize what you have, and that means that I am really going to be looking at Timo Meyer. Last year, he got off to a slow start. He really didn't get rolling until the end of the year. Same thing we saw the year before that. If Timo Meyer wants to live up to the potential that we have wrapped around him, he has got to be a much, much better and consistent player than he was last year and the year before. We all know he has the speed, he has the power, he has the size, he has the ability, and for some reason, it just wasn't there. So this year, Timo Meyer has to take big, big steps forward if the Sharks want to take advantage of their power play get pucks to the net, put guys in front, make things happen. It felt like last year, even on the power play, things were tentative. And I I really don't know why. You know, it's something that I was very, very intrigued by, and I wish we could have had a better explanation, but it just seemed like they were never as aggressive as they should have been. And I think part of that is you look to the previous generation of what the Sharks were, and you had a guy out there like Joe Thornton who could direct passes and really set things up at a better level level than maybe the guys that currently on the Sharks are are capable of doing. And yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best players of all time. But you still have to be able to make things happen. And with the weapons the Sharks have, it always felt disappointing. Now, again, you look at the qualifying factors. Logan Couture was hurt. Tomas Hurdle coming off a massive knee injury and COVID. Brent Burns was maybe not at his best last year. We don't know what was nagging him. He didn't look his usual comfortable self out there on the ice. Eric Carlson was not what we expect him to be. Eric Carlson needs to take another big step forward this year. I know injuries have played a factor, but he's healthy right now, and he looks like he's capable of being the player or closer to the player that he was before. That first year when he came in with the Sharks, before he had the groin injury, he looked like Eric Carlson. And even 2019-2020, before he went down, he was the leading point scorer. 
Last year, he looked never quite just what we expected. I'll, I'll put it that way. And he only showed flashes. And I think the year before, he was dealing with some injuries. But now he's coming off a healthy offseason. He's not coming off a surgery. He's not coming off injury. He's coming into this. Uh, he spent an entire summer training in San Jose, and he looks like it. He's in excellent shape, and he looks like he's ready to have his best year as a member of the San Jose Sharks. I mean, this is year number four with Eric Carlson. He came at the start of the 2018-2019 season. It's time for him to be the Eric Carlson that he has always been expected to be. And that's the thing that was so frustrating about the San Jose Sharks over the last couple of seasons is that they weren't living up to their expectations. And yes, we're talking about a transitional time in which first Joe Pavelski left and then Joe Thornton left, two of the biggest names in the history of the franchise, and a lot was put on Logan Couture's shoulders. But that means that guys have to step up to support the captain, to support themselves. You need big years out of Tomas Hurdle. You need big years out of Timo Meyer. You need big years out of Eric Carlson and Brent Burns, and that will make it that much easier for Logan Couture to be the player that we all know he is capable of being. And I understand that a lot of these names I am referencing are not exactly getting any younger, but I also don't think that they are in this drastic or steep of a decline, but obviously I am going to be, have to be proven wrong by their performance on the ice. And I think that one of the things that really could be complimentary and most definitely beneficial is the play of these younger guys like a William Eklund, seeing what he can bring to the table. Because, and I've said this during a bunch of the preseason program, and if you've been listening to it, that William Eklund, when I watch him on the ice, every time he has the puck, it is exciting because you feel like something can happen. You feel like something is about to occur and he's been able to rack up some points. And I understand it's the preseason, and I'm not going to overreact to that, but it's hard to not just react to it in general, that feel that you have this guy who just turned 19 years old and is suddenly able to make things happen out there on the ice. That youthful insertion, that ability to amplify on the youth end, might take a little bit of pressure off the more veteran or aged end. When you talk about a Mark Edward Vlasic, when you talk about a Logan Couture, guys, again, who still have a lot of good hockey left in them, but if you can take some of the onus off them and try and get them a little less ice time to maximize their abilities when they are out there on the ice, and I know you're going to say, Ted, you're comparing you know, forwards and defense, but yeah, I, I get it. I'm just talking about if you put yourself in a position to where you don't have to just lean, 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 lean on these veterans who will run themselves ragged because their level of pride is that high, don't let them do that. Don't put them in a position to make that be what they need to do. Too often last year, things would break down. You'd see guys try to play hero hockey, and it would put the Sharks in a negative position. But I'm excited to see what Barabanov can do this year. I'm excited to see what you can get from Cogliano, Kevin LeBanc, Jasper Weatherby. I mean, these are guys that I'm very, very excited to see what they bring this year because you're expecting these next levels of development. Same story with Mario Ferraro. Mario Ferraro up to this point, has been one of the more exciting players for the San Jose Sharks through two years in his career, neither of which have been ideal years. He's a fitness monster. If you pay attention to him on social media, he looked, again, like he was in the best shape of his life when I saw him this preseason up close and personal, and I'm waiting for another step in his game because he's always show, already shown himself to be a great, pure defender. I'd like to see that offense take an uptick. I'd like to see more and more out of that from him. And no, we don't need to have every offensive star defenseman in the NHL, but 
you want guys to continue taking strides. You want to see more from Balsers. You want to see more. And you're going to need to see more, right? I mean, that's essentially what this comes down to. The guys last year were not good enough. That's one of the reasons why they didn't make the playoffs for a second consecutive season. All right, we are going to look ahead at tonight's game with Paul Edmonds, the play-by-play voice of the Winnipeg Jets. He'll join me on the other side. You're on Morning Tide. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge-watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog, because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. This is Mario Ferraro, and you're listening to Morning Tide on the Sharks Audio Network. Now, back to Ted Ramey. All right, we now have joining us on the Sharks Audio Network. It is the voice of the Jets, Paul Edmonds. Paul, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Uh, real good. Uh, real glad to have the season started again, Ted, and uh, play it like the way it should be played, uh, 82 games and, and traveling to every city. So it had been almost a long two years before uh, the Jets had uh, got back across the border to play games in the United States after flitting around all over Canada last year with that uh, North Division, the Canadian Division they called it, but uh, this is sort of back to normal, and uh, it's good to be back in San Jose. You know, I just wanted to get your, before we you know look ahead at this year, and granted you've already played a game, and for some reason the Sharks haven't scheduling quirks. Um, last year, third in the North, you make it to the second round. Um, you know, just trying to encapsulate everything you saw last year in the midst of a non-normal season in the North Division, which was all the Canadian teams. Well, I think the first thing that you have to look at from the Jets' perspective is the fact that outside of a home game, you never played a game in your time zone, and that can be tough. I mean, they were, as I said, moving around from whether it was the Eastern time zone with the teams out east in Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, or then out to, you know, Alberta, where you played Edmonton and and Calgary, and you were in that uh, mountain time zone, or to Vancouver, where you were in the Pacific time zone. So, you know, outside of playing at home, they were never in their time zone, where getting back into the Central Division this year will allow them to do that, with the exception of two teams, Colorado and Arizona, and Arizona comes into that time zone now with the addition of Seattle. So, you know, this is good for for Winnipeg. I think uh, because of where they're based, it's right in the middle of the continent. Um, There's a lot of times for getting off the plane at 2 in the morning. I think uh, they rival San Jose when it comes to air miles. Mm -hmm. San Jose just slightly ahead. Uh, But, you know, this is going to be good, and, and it's going to be interesting because... In preparation for, as you mentioned, the Jets have played a game already, and they kind of got snuck off on by Anaheim the other night for the opener. This is a situation where a lot of these teams have changed. Uh, a lot of personnel, there's been a lot of versatility, or pardon me, a lot of volatility. And from that standpoint, you don't know what you're preparing for because you haven't seen some of these teams for a couple of years. Yeah. San Jose being one of them for the Jets and, and vice versa. So I think that lends to some intrigue and some interest level in how these teams are going to, to play against each other. Is it going to be a feeling-out process, or is it going to be fifth gear as soon as the puck is dropped? I'm not sure. I mean, the other night was kind of interesting. The Jets ended up getting a couple power plays early on against Anaheim and just couldn't beat John Gibson. And then Anaheim got their feet underneath them and ended up getting a couple of goals and kind of they went back and forth. So it was a good game overall, but I think there's a, a lot of things that we don't 
know on how these teams are going to react because uh, when it comes to, to game prepping or pre-scouting, you're looking at some video from preseason, which doesn't always tell the tale, or some video that's two years old. What is the level of expectation with the team this year, knowing, <laughs> I'm not trying to be cute, but knowing there are so many unknowns? Well, I think the expectation is completely different for the Winnipeg Jets than ever before in the 11-year history. I think with the additions of Brendan Dillon, former Shark, and, of course, Nate Schmidt, former Vegas Golden Knight, Washington Capital, Vancouver Canuck, on the blue line, the Jets filled a void that they, they desperately needed to uh, certainly augment or, or add on to in a couple of areas, uh, puck-moving guys and then some physicality, certainly with Brendan Dillon. And as such, I don't think that there's going to be a problem uh, in stopping the puck. Connor Hellbuck was a Vezina Trophy winner two years ago, uh, a Vezina finalist last year. And then scoring goals won't be a problem. The Jets have a pretty good arsenal of guys who can put the puck in the net. So when you look at the balance of this team, I think the expectation is going to be a lot higher this year than ever before. It's just not a team that I think, Ted, that you're going to look at and say, okay, well, they should get to a playoff spot. I mean, this is, I think, a team that's built to maybe make a charge toward the Stanley Cup. Yeah. And the interesting part about that is the players aren't denying that either. The players are are not shying away from those expectations. I think that the expectations not only are from the fan base, but also within the organization as well. The defense is better on paper. Do you think that's going to turn into a better product on the ice or do you just have to wait and see? Well, I do. I, I think that on paper, you still have to see what happens over now 81 games, but I think that the ability to retreat pucks, move the puck quickly and swiftly to your forwards and attack with speed to the neutralize is going to help the Winnipeg Jets overall. Um, I just think that you know, the other part of that is that you're going to probably, because you're going to get the puck quicker or win more battles in your own zone, you'll spend less time there. And as such, you won't give up many shots or as many shots, pardon me, and many as many high danger chances as you have maybe in the last couple of years since seemingly the Winnipeg Jets defense kind of left on mass when it came to Buffalo and Truba and Sherratt and Myers. So, you know, you had to spend a couple of seasons trying to replace those guys, and it looks like you finally have. So the simple answer to your question is yes, it's going to help uh, dramatically, um, but I guess the proof will be in the pudding over the course of, as I mentioned, still 80-plus games to go as we just get started. As we look for, uh, you know, big-picture takeaways, you know, you've seen one game, obviously, up to this point. Was there anything that you liked that you saw out of that, anything that you didn't like? I know, obviously, when you lose 4-1, you're going to say, well, that was not the, uh, you know, the desired outcome, but, you know, the caveat there is it's one game. So I'm just curious, your takeaways from what you saw developing out there on the ice. Well, the interesting part for Winnipeg was the fact that they played without their number one center on Wednesday night against Anaheim, and that's Mark Shifley, who was serving the last of a four-game suspension mm -hmm. incurred in that series with Montreal last year in the playoffs. So San Jose's going to see a different look uh, coming up uh, on Saturday night against the Winnipeg Jets because they're going to have their number one center back in. And from there, you'll see some dominoes fall back into place. They had... Paul Stastny playing center on the number one line. Well, he'll go down to the number two line or number three line and probably be kicked out to the left wing side as opposed to in the middle. So that's going to be a huge boon for the Jets. Um, the other surprise, I think, or anything that, uh, that kind of set me back a little bit was huh, 
don't uh, don't sleep on the Anaheim Ducks. They've got some good young players mixed in with a good veteran group. And John Gibson was absolutely stellar the other night. And I think from that standpoint that uh, Anaheim's going to make a little bit of noise. I'm not predicting a playoff spot for the Ducks this year, but I think they're certainly going to be better than they were at last in their division last year in the West. So those are my two takeaways that we didn't really see the true Winnipeg Jets on Wednesday night because they're missing probably their, their number one center and their star player overall. And I just thought that Anaheim kind of played a lot more than uh, or a lot better than people maybe expected that they would since uh, they had such a a disappointing season last year. One of the things that people keep on telling me is about the expectation for Nikolai Ehlers to really take that next step because, I mean, he just he has these eye popping moments, but the consistency isn't there. Is is that just a talking point or is it something that you're looking for as well? No, this is a guy that I think that finally has bought into what the coaching staff has said about him, not necessarily in systems and the way the Jets want to play as an offense or a defense. Um, Nikolai was always a guy that I think wanted to defer and pass the puck, especially when he played with his friend Patrick Liney, who now is no longer there, of course. And now Nikolai has decided that he is a shooter, and that's what the Jets want him to do, and that's shoot the puck. He's got a great shot. He handles it very well. Um, He skates probably one of the top-level skaters in the National Hockey League, which already is a great skating league, of course. So I think that, yeah, it's next-level opportunity for for Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, this guy's been a a five-time 20-goal scorer. Can he get to 30? He's been close. I think that that would probably be not a lofty goal, but something that I think would be attainable this year for sure. And could he lead the team in points? Yeah, I I think that playing on that second line with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Andrew Kopp, that they're going to be entrusted to provide some not secondary scoring, but complementary scoring to that top line. And Nikolai Ehlers will be the guy that likely drives it offensively. So, yeah, this could be a real breakout year for Nikolai. And when you say that, you say, well, what's breakout? Well, you know, when you've been a 20-goal scorer multiple times, I mean, your your breakout season's probably 30, 30-plus, and something in the neighborhood of maybe a, a 60 to 70-point to maybe an 80-point season. So there's the capability that is there for Nikolai Ehlers because of the skill set. Um, but now he's just decided that he's going to shoot the puck more. So I think we'll see the goals go up and the points and, and all of that uh, that comes with it. He's a guy that plays power play as well and plays a lot of minutes. And he's not a kid anymore. I mean, he's mid-20s, and the Jets certainly, I think, uh, have a, have him penciled for a big role this year. No, he sure is fun to watch, though. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you just see these moments, and you're just thinking, man, and it's it's hard to put pressure on guys, but you do see that it can build into even more. So uh, that that's going to be fun to watch. And this just as a final one for you, Paul. One of the things that I am noticing around the the narrative around many training camps and around the early stories of the NHL is just how much of a good mood teams are in. And I'm just curious what your outlook has been on that specifically uh, with the Jets, and then maybe just some other conversations you have because. You know, I feel last year the COVID restrictions and keeping these guys who are used to being with their teammates and used to being around each other to a much greater extent than was allowed last year, I think that had a negative effect on the the mindset of teams everywhere. Some teams were better at dealing with it than others, but to hear resoundingly from team after team after team what a good mood guys are in, even knowing there are still some COVID restrictions out there, it's uh, it, it seems to be a point of emphasis. Yeah, here, here. Uh, we've heard that a lot as well, and... I mean, Winnipeg's a unique place because uh, like Edmonton or Ottawa or Calgary to some points, uh, and even maybe Montreal, I mean, once winter settles in, 
it's kind of hard to navigate around. There's there's not a lot to do in terms of going outside and doing things that way, right? Because it's just cold and there's snow on the ground. And one of the things that when you get players that come to Winnipeg and, and they've got a group that really likes the city, the wives have to get together as well. And mm-hmm. that's a big part of it, right? Like having everybody get together and it's a close-knit kind of group. And that's part of the attraction, I think, of playing in Winnipeg. Well, they, as you mentioned, Ted, they weren't allowed to do that last year. And we heard from many players last year how difficult it was for them and by extension their families not being able to get together in sort of that that hockey wives group if you will and from that standpoint that's all been lifted so you can do that this year and I think that makes it a lot easier the other part of that too is what you're talking about and and the, the teams the players we heard it from Anaheim the other day on Tuesday leading up and that's the fact that fans are back in the building yeah and I think there's a real appreciation for what the fans bring, certainly to, to pay the freight, but also the atmosphere that they create in the building. And it makes it much more, um, I think, attractive for the for the players to play in. It makes it for a much more competitive game. Um, the, the opposition team, the visiting team, feeds off the negative energy towards them in a building, and the home team feeds off the positive energy. So for all of that, it makes for great competition, and I think that that's another thing that was glaringly missing, certainly, when it came to the games last year was the fans in the building, and we've got that back. And I know the players, when they speak about it, it's genuine, it's real, it's raw, it's organic, it's not made up, that they're really glad to have people back in the building. But as such, I think it's also good that they can get together outside of the hotels, outside of the hockey rink, and have some interaction that way. So we're moving forward in the right direction. Let's hope it continues. Paul, the fans will be in the building on Saturday night. You will be in the building on Saturday night. We're looking forward to having you, man. We're looking forward to the game. Should be a fun one. I really appreciate your time, and I hope I can bug you again soon. All right, man? My pleasure, Ted. Anytime. Again, that was Paul Edmonds, the radio play-by-play voice of the Winnipeg Jets, who the Sharks will be taking on tonight at 7 o'clock from SAP Center with all of you beautiful people in attendance. Be sure to join us at 7 o'clock right here on the Sharks Audio Network, and we will have live post-game coverage as well. And then I'll be back with you Sunday morning at 7 as we react to the first game of the year. Let's have a good one, folks. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This is Eric Carlson of the San Jose Sharks. You're listening to the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.